Ron and Anian. Taking the belt off and having the noise change doesn't make me start thinking about timing chain. The Car Doctor. You want to hear a noise when a flex plate lets loose? Holy cow. It it sounds like, um, you know, like an explosion occurred underneath. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian. The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Join me, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, this hour at 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Obviously, we make podcasting available for you. Tune in iHeart, iTunes, all the good places. And you can subscribe there, and we appreciate it when you subscribe. It does help our cause. And naturally, if you need me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. But most importantly now, this radio show is live on the air, Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on the network. Get out to 855-560-9900. Again, 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Let's talk about your car and its problem. And if you happen to get this show by aforementioned podcast or you're you, you can actually stream it also from cardoctorshow.com but if you're listening to it by podcast and you call 855-560-9900 we're not on the air leave a message there's an answering service you can leave a message and our producer will call you back and put you in the lineup for the following week and uh, talk to you up here about cars and i'll make it easy honest i'll be gentle and um, we'll educate everybody and talk about and solve your problem for you because that's what this radio show is all about. Quick couple of pieces of information before we kick open the doors. A couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman call up with a 55 or 56 DeSoto, I think it was, that had a generator issue, not charging, gotten a lot of email about that. Everyone wanted to know what the outcome of that was. And the outcome was that when he, remember he said he had the generator rebuilt? When he had it rebuilt, the rebuilder put two same size or incorrect size studs for the field in the armature terminal post on the generator. So the wires at the generator were reversed, and it blew up the regulator in the car. Um, but that was the end result of that, and that's why every time you take the generator out, took it down to the rebuilder, the rebuilder tested it, it charged, put it back in the car, it wouldn't charge, it wasn't wired correctly, but more importantly, it was a result of the rebuild. The rebuilder didn't rebuild it correctly and put, because they put two different size posts on there, so you kind of can't interchange it. Well, somehow they managed to interchange it, and nobody noticed it, that the uh, posts were a different size, the wrong size. They used two smaller posts, I believe it was, and naturally smaller fits into larger, and uh, it worked. So um, that was the end result of that. But anyway, I just wanted to get that out there, and I appreciate all the inquiries. Let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go over and talk to Tim in Flint, Michigan, and some comments and questions about tires. Tim, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hello. Good, good to talk to you, Ron. I yes, talked sir. a couple weeks ago about a brake light switch on this 08 Silverado. Long story short, I went to O'Reilly's, got one. It worked better than the dealer. <laughs> Perfect. Good, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, I remember this. The, um, the brake lights were coming on by themselves, right? Right, yeah. they're sticking on, and uh, you got a dealership item, and uh, opposite, they weren't coming on. So, okay, I'm going to risk the uh, aftermarket when we got O'Reilly's. Uh, actually, lifetime warranty, and uh, for pennies, you know, and uh, put it on there, no problem. And you see, and that's the thing you have to love about O'Reilly Auto Parts, in that, you know, they've got, they're one of the few. They've got good people behind the counter. They know what's going on. And they're able to offer programs, and uh, they know what parts work. It's 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 just really amazing. We had a um, as a quick aside, we had an AC Delco ignition switch about a year ago, 
that replaced it because of sloppiness in the tumblers, and it never really worked quite right. In my mind, I'm going, well, it's 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 it's, it's got to be a good part. It's a Delco. And a couple of weeks later, swapped it out, put another one in, and did the exact same thing. Went out and got an aftermarket piece, problem solved, car's fixed. Uh, you know, you start to wonder sometimes when the OEs can't make it right, you start to worry about how's the aftermarket going to do it, and yet they do, voila, you're the proof of it. So I'm glad it worked out for you, Tim. What can I do well, for like, you today? Like you said, maybe aftermarket's paying attention a little more. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe. And I'll tell you what, they have to. Um, yeah. You know, we get a lot of phone calls talking about the future and where's the, where's the future of this industry going to be and when will the change come. And it's all tied to economics. But let me tell you, if the aftermarket auto industry disappears, you don't have to worry about World War III. It's over. Uh, right. you know, there, there'll be no country left because people don't realize how deep and how involved the auto industry is in the economics of this country. So um, just a big deal. Hang on a second, Tim. Let me say hi to Mom. Hi, Mom. Mom's walking past the studio window. She's waving hi to everybody. She doesn't understand. Yeah, Ma, you have to talk. Radio is Sound on radio is important. Yeah, she's waving hello. Anyway, let's uh, (laughs) – I got a visitor. I got got a a visitor in studio today, Tim. What can I tell you? So what can I do for you, sir? What else we want to go over? On the same truck, Oye Silverado, uh, 1500 four-wheel drive. When I bought it, it had good tires on it, Cooper Discover. And, you know, they're fine, they're safe. I checked them out, and I haul a camper. It was a little, little travel trailer, about 5,500 pounds. So I put some airbags on the back, and, and everything does perfect. I'm, I, I'm very happy with everything, but... I, I knew there was a but here. Go ahead. But, all right. So when I'm walking through the dealer, when I'm buying this switch, I'm looking at these trucks with a 9,000-pound tow rating, basically a 1,500 V8, basically the same thing I got. And I got 9,000 pounds. Wow. And I looked down at the tire, and it's a passenger tire. Now, I'm old school. I'm 50 years old. I'm old school. I was grazed up with the extra low tire and the E-load range. You got to have this. You got to have this to haul and pull and all that. And the salesman walked by, and I said, do you know, these trucks have passenger tires on them now? He said, yeah. I said, well, they got a 9,000-pound tow rating. How does that work together? He said, ah, you don't need those extra low tires anymore. Them passenger ones are fine. Uh, is that? I mean, I know you're not a tire shop, but so they're rewriting the laws of physics, right? I, yeah. I don't get it. So in their universe, time travel does happen, and <laughs> and Back to the Future is really just a family vacation to them. No, sure. you know, it's it's the laws don't change. All right, uh, you know, it's in the sense that yeah, I'm an extra load guy, I'm a load rangey guy, and there's nothing worse than somebody on the side of the road with a trailer with a tire failure because the tire was improper for the vehicle. You know, one of the things one of the things I don't understand is I want somebody to give me a clear rating of gross vehicle weight rating, GVWR, all right? Because I, I look at this and I tried reading the stat. You know, down here in Bergen County, New Jersey, the county cops always have the landscapers pulled over on the side of the road. And it's because the registration says it's rated for this much weight, but the truck can only carry that much weight, and the tires that are on the truck are somewhere between the two. And nobody can give me a clear explanation of, you know, you're telling me so, you know, a a, a truck that's registered 14,000-pound GVW, all right, you're telling me, my understanding is the weight of the truck plus the load is good up to 14,000 pounds. Right. And then some people say, well, no, it's 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 the weight of the truck fully loaded plus the towing capacity of the trailer that you attach well, the, to it. 
Describe fully loaded. <laughs> right. Describe fully no. loaded. Is it? You got you got three, two, three hundred pound guys in there. That makes a difference. Well, do you have do you have two, three hundred pound guys in there, and then is the bed filled with you know sacks of marbles, or is the right. bed filled with sacks of pillows? What's fully loaded? And exactly. I, I listen. I think you're right. I think the guy in the dealership is incorrect. I think that you know until I see it in writing. One of the smartest things I heard I've heard this year, and it's it's it, smartest things I've heard in a long time. I give credit to Pierre Respo. We were over, over the technician service training seminar two weeks ago, broadcasting live, and I loved what Pierre said at the end. I said, "What does it take to be a technician today? What would you tell the youngsters up and coming?" And I've applied that in my own thought process in things outside the automotive world. Pierre said, "You got to be like a two-year-old. You got to ask why, and you know." You've got to ask why. Why are we putting passenger-rated tires, which only have a certain load capacity, on a, on a vehicle that has a GVW of somewhere between 8 and, I don't know, 10,000 pounds, 12,000 pounds, depending on the vehicle? Makes no sense. Right. Makes absolutely well, no the, sense. And, and then you start looking at prices and the extra load or e-load or whatever. All, only $100 to $200 a set more. Right. I mean, that's big deal. Right. Where's the, and, and the safety factor... One of the things, you know, I'll I'll tell you a quick story, just you and me, right? So I'm having dinner with my two other kids the other night, and we were talking about something, and one of them brought up the third little Inanian who wasn't there, and they said, you know, Dad, she really thinks, she said the other day she told us that you're actually pretty smart. She just doesn't want to tell you because you just know things about life. You know, as you you get older, your kids kind of tell you that you're you're, you're smarter than they want to let on. And one of the things I always say is the road is a very unforgiving place. And you, you 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 only have to learn this lesson once. Try yep. sitting on the side of the road with a bad tire, a flat tire, a blown out tire, and you could have saved yourself that aggravation by spending the extra hundred bucks or the extra two hundred bucks. What's yep. your what's your safety? What's your what's your time worth? And and we're losing. We've lost sight of that. It's not that we are losing. We've lost sight of that. And along with that, next sentence behind that is you got that hundred in your pocket. It does you no good now. Right. That's right. And you know, it's and and one of the biggest fears I have of getting stuck on the side of the road isn't when is somebody going to come and get me? Will I still be alive when they do? Because the way these people drive today, oh, you know, the shit. shoulder the shoulder's like the sixth lane. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, on on a four lane highway you got two shoulders. It's like the sixth lane, depending upon which side you're on. So I drove uh, semis for 15 years. I've seen some stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've you've uh, you've been around, right, Tim? Right. I appreciate the comments and the conversation, brother. It sounds like we grew Thank up you. in the same generation, and uh, I'm proud to count you among the car doctor nation. So uh, yeah, I enjoy your show. I, I I learned a lot. Thank you, sir. You take good care. You have a good rest of the weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Running in the car doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Well, this car is automatic. It's systematic. It's hydromatic. Why's it greased lightning? Hey, welcome back. Running in the car doctor. Rolling along. By the way, if you're looking for it, tune in iHeart iTunes, all places to podcast. Click subscribe when you podcast us, and uh, that way you automatic delivery and um, drives our numbers up. And we're seeing, again, increase in numbers again. I don't know where it's going, but uh, like they said on the Little Rascals, where are you going, Stymie? I don't know, but I'm on my way. Whew. Anyway, let's get over and talk to Charlie, Atlanta, Georgia. 
and uh, see what's going on with this Ford EcoBoost. Charlie, how's things down Atlanta way? How's that highway? You guys have some problems down there, no? Oh, there's some problems down here, but I'm nowhere near that. Yeah, so thank, I'm all set. Thank God for that. So it won't matter if the car gets good fuel economy or not. I understand there's lots of traffic jams down around that neck of the woods. So, they have this year. Yeah. So what can I do for you, sir? Well, a friend of mine up in Maine bought a, a Ford pickup, had 50,000 miles on it probably two years ago, maybe three. And he's put another 50 on it, and he told me within the last year, when he first started, he was getting 22 miles to the gallon. He's down to 17 now, and he takes care of it. He doesn't abuse it. <clears throat> he maintains it well. And I was listening to your show. I, I drive around the country, and I can't remember exactly where I was, but you was talking to a couple of gentlemen about a problem some kind of a cleaning that had something that had to be cleaned or a filtering system or something possibly on these EcoBoosts. And I just could not remember what it was, so I thought I'd call in again and, and see if you could remember what that was. Bring are, me up to date. Are we talking about um, Berryman Fuel System cleaning product? I think maybe uh, is that was. What, is, is that what we're talking about, about carbon deposits in the engine and GDI systems? And yes. the, the way that they get, they build up carbon, because that's what an EcoBoost system is. Yeah. Um, gasoline direct engine. Yeah, carbon Carbon is a huge uh, issue in today's engines. And it's it's kind of like the quiet killer. You don't even know it's there. And then all of a sudden you see drop off in fuel economy or performance or both. Or maybe it just doesn't idle as smooth. And in a lot of cases, it's carbon deposits. And, you know, you'll you'll look at history on the vehicle and you'll find that the person has done all the proper maintenance. They've, you know, their, their maintenance is in step. They, they've, you know, followed it to a T and maybe they've gone a little bit overboard in terms of manufacturer's recommended maintenance. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's, gee, it, you know, it's got a little shudder to it or a little shake. And it's it's not as smooth or as peppy as it once was. It's, um, you know, in a, in, in, in a lot of cases, it can be traced back to carbon. Carbon deposit maintenance, I guess that's the right way to do it, or fuel system maintenance is the right way to say it, is it, just got to become part of the everyday. You know, it's it's got to become part of our culture like Twitter and Instagram and listening to the car doctor. It's just it's just that important. Right. Um, you know, so uh, that's, that, that's what I think we were talking about. And the issue with GDI engines is that the injector sprays right into the combustion chamber. It bypasses, uh-huh. it bypasses the intake. So now the problem becomes that, you know, you're going to attack it. One of the best ways to attack it is you can, you know, do a do a through-the-rail injection cleaning and, and, and clean the system that way, but you're not going to get, you know, the intake valves. You're not going to get the intake runner. Um, so you want to start thinking about doing maintenance to help the vehicle burn cleaner, on a regular basis, and one of that is a, is, is a tank additive. Um, and I think what we were talking about that day was Berryman, BerrymanProducts.com, and uh, their HES technology and what that can do. And, you know, we've seen a lot of good results with that, and that's probably where I would start. That's easy enough for you to do uh, or your friend to do. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, if they have an O'Reilly Auto Parts near them, get over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts. I know they carry Berryman Fuel Products. And uh, pick up a can of the Berryman fuel tank in tank cleaner, and um, pour it in and go. And oh, what, was, what was that again? So I can write that down. Uh, you're looking for Berryman, B E R R Y M A N, Berryman fuel system products. Yeah. 
okay? And, you know, like I said, you can find it at O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you get out to O'ReillyAuto.com, you'll see it listed there. And, um, you know, I'm sure he's got an O'Reilly Auto Parts near him, and uh, we can kind of go from there. At least it takes some of the simple things off the list. You know, one one of the other things that you may want to think about as a potential, you know, gee, it's not getting the fuel economy it once did if we were having a conversation beyond carbon, because clearly that's not the only thing that can cause an engine to lose fuel economy. But on a vehicle with no fault codes, poor fuel economy, you know, we start thinking about tire pressure or tires properly inflated. Chances are they are in your friend's case. But the other thing we want to think about is, do we have a marginal thermostat? You know, an, uh. an engine thermostat can be off by as little as six degrees, and make all the difference in the world in terms of fuel economy. And that's why we start talking about things like, you know, a stant thermostat. We like stant as a, as a direct replacement thermostat. It meets OE specifications. Stant makes a lot of the original equipment thermostats in this country. And they've got some of the better ideas as far as heat motors are, are concerned. But replacing your thermostat on a, on a regular basis or every couple of years, three, four years now, isn't the worst idea either. Uh, you know, we... I'll tell you a funny story. We put a, we put a thermostat. We had to change a thermostat in a uh, Chevy Trailblazer not too long ago, and um, she had the original stat in it. Didn't get a check engine light, but had poor heat output. It was one of those right on the border of, you know, it's good but it's not great type of thing. Put a stamp in it and change the thermostat. Put it back together. She came in this week and she's telling me now she's um, well. Can I say this on radio, Tom? She's getting hot flashes because the thermostat, the car's got such good heat that um, she's getting overheated all the time. I'm not sure what she meant by that, but uh, that was the issue. So, uh, you know, when I think Stant, I think, uh, you know, we're we're good. So uh, more information at Stant.com. But that's a, that's, a, that's a true story, Charlie. No lie. Okay. So, But uh, those two things I would look at, Berryman and Stant, and uh, see what that's all about. All right. All so, right. Thank you very much. I do appreciate your time. You're very welcome, sir, and uh, thanks for listening to us as you drive around this great country of ours. We appreciate it very much. You take good care. Um, wow. You know, it's it's funny. You don't think this radio show is reaching anybody, and then somebody calls up and says, well, I drive around the country and I listen to you, and you wonder, really, where is the show? How far out does it really go? I was trying to explain that to somebody this week, and I just never know. I know where I am most of the time, and I know where I'll be when I get back from this break. I'm running in the car doctor. Don't go away. Welcome back. Running in the car doctor, taking you in and out of the danger zone here, repairing cars this afternoon at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Anthony, Freehold, New Jersey, 96 Ford F-250, and some questions about trouble codes. Anthony, welcome to the car doctor, sir. What's going on? Thank you, Ron. How you yes, doing? Yes, sir. Good. What's cooking? Uh, it's my father's truck. It's a 96 Ford F-250, 4.9 inline six, two-wheel drive. Right. And I just did a head gasket job on it about three months ago. Everything went well. and But these codes were present before, and they're still present after. They're the P0171 and the P0174 lean on both banks. Right. This car has this this vehicle has two oxygen sensors, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Right. And that's where they get that's where they get because understand 171 is lean bank one, 174 is lean bank two, and you say to yourself, well, it's a straight six. How do we get two banks? Um, we got to have two O twos in order to do that upstream before the cats. So mm-hmm. why did you do a head gasket? Just out of curiosity. Uh, it had 
three burnt intake valves that were leaking. Uh, I did a compression test and a leak down test, and he was having poor acceleration and was, you know, just wasn't riding right. So I did those tests and saw those problems and rebuilt the head and threw, uh, threw it on there. Okay. And it's, it's running great now. So now it runs good. You just have this trouble code. Exactly, and the past inspection. So Right. So have you looked at fuel trim? Yeah, I've uh, I viewed the fuel trim. I checked both uh, with my scan tool. Checked both oxygen sensors. Both seem to be reading correctly. We're you know bouncing back and forth. Um, the fuel trim. The thing that gets me is it seems that uh, let's say I just start the truck and I'll watch fuel trim. I won't touch the accelerator or anything. Just start it, and the fuel trim actually looks pretty good. Sometimes it'll hover around four to five, you know, maybe six. It might start slowly creeping its way up. Now this is but, this is short term or long term. Short term. Okay. The, the long term is pegged out at 25 on both banks. All right. So, so so keep in mind, now what you're saying is we've got long term of 25 mm-hmm. plus that 4% short term. So you've got almost 30% fuel trim. Okay. All right. Understand that. You've, you know, for every long term is at zero, short term is at zero. Long term moves the, think of a, think of a pegboard. All right. Long term moves the peg one hole over. Okay, so now you're one plus whatever short term is. So you're one long term plus four short term, oh, two okay. long term. So it's it's you you have to look at total fuel trim to decide. Short term is what's going on right now this instant. Mm-hmm. Long term, somewhere along the way, that short term climbs up enough that it moves the peg. Always remember that. All right. So you've really got almost a total fuel trim on each bank of thirty percent, which is excessive. Yeah. Okay. So let's just think of it like this then. Um, is if you if you start driving down the road, you know, 30, 35 miles an hour, where does where does short term go? Perfect, right to zero. Right, both, right both to zero. Did you yeah. did you reset cam? Did you reset the keep alive memory when you did the no head gasket? Uh, what kind of scan tool do you have? I just use uh, uh, my cell phone with a uh, with a Bluetooth dongle. Yeah, you know. Okay, so you're using a generic OBD too. Um, yeah, I can only clear the trouble codes as far as like uh, you know bidirectionalism. I can you know back and forth with that. Can you can you watch fuel trim on data stream? Yes. Yeah, I so, can graph it and watch it. Yeah. So let's let's do this. All right, let's see if this works. Um, engine off. Disconnect both battery cables. Unless you tell me you did this. Tie both no. battery cables together for ten minutes. Okay. All right. Um, you know, just just you know, touch them together. Use a jumper wire if you can put a you know, build a jumper wire if you can get. The, well, I guess you can't get the Radio Shack anymore; they don't exist. But back when they did, <laughs> if you could find a ten ohm one watt resistor and make a ten ohm one watt wire, so that we don't shock the computer as we drain it down. Let's bleed down the memory. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, you may still have to do a cam reset because this could be a case that the fuel trim was affected by the the, the valves that were burnt. You know, the, the 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 reason you did the head, or there could be a secondary problem here. All right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've checked for vacuum leaks like you wouldn't believe with a little propane. You know, watching the trims. I I, I mean, I've gone through all the. You know, it's got a, a lot of hoses, all those cheap right. little chintzy plastic hoses. Right. How does the um, How does the brake pedal feel? Brake pedal is nice and strong. It, it does feel good. The booster. You don't think the booster is leaking? I was I was watching the trim. Uh, what I, I disconnected the um, the line from the booster and I plugged it right just temporarily, and it didn't bring my fuel trims back down. Okay. The the short term where I really noticed what happens is, Ron, like like I said, if I start it up, a lot of times it'll be at a good level. 
But if I go take that 35-mile-an-hour drive for two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, whatever it is, and I'm watching the fuel trims, they're perfect. Once I stop the car, let's say a red light, both short terms jump up to like 25. Okay. It's after that drive. Okay. So so you do see a rise, and that's that's the moment when it gets triggered. So yeah. s- something is – we've got an intermittent – oh, boy. Um, we've got an intermittent vacuum leak here. How about have you gone through the charcoal canister, you know, the vents, the EVAP vent system? I mean, I, uh, as far as, like, putting propane by it and trying to get a leak from there, that's really all I've been able – you know, that's the how testing. About, how about disconnecting it? You don't need that to run the car. We know you, the, we know well we know you're going to set a fault code who cares yeah uh you know you can always clear it but how about just trying to eliminate what you can't be you know what you what you what you can't see um, okay. or you know what you don't need connected uh, to drive the car you know back in the day if this had a vacuum modulator on the trans we'd start to think about a split in the vacuum line down there but mm-hmm. I don't think it did in 96 I think this is an e4 od trans um, yeah, yeah. There's no vacuum. I run the right, modulator. I try, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, let's start to think a little outside the box. We've got to make this a base engine. We've got to start to think, you know, just back to basics. If you've got propane, what do you? How are you shooting the propane in there? Andrew? I have a. It's a, about a three foot rubber line with a brake hose on the end. Right, a pinched metal tube. I'm uh, sorry, a, a, a brake line, a steel yeah. brake line. Yeah, steel brake line, and you pinched it down so you can like pinpoint it. Yeah, uh, no, I didn't. It's just like the, the open orifice of the brake. Now, do this. You know, okay. walk over to a vice mm-hmm. and, you know, peen the end of the uh, brake line. Like, I actually made mine into a V, um, so it's a little more, and I just opened one corner of it. But just make a little tiny orifice, you know, because if, if you make it a flood, it's going to come out in too much of a, in too much force. If you If you stream it down and sharpen the points, so to speak, so it's just a little tiny, like the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little more accurate, and you might be able to pin something down. You know, okay. I, I don't think it's going to be an intake leak because you sound pretty competent, and I can't imagine that you would take it apart and put it back together and you know not tighten something. Um, yeah, and, and, and to be both banks, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it is both banks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but yeah, watching the scanner, both banks definitely. Yeah. Now the other question I've got is, do you have a way to disable? Which PIDs show up on your scan tool at any one given time? Can you, like which ones I can graph? Yeah, can you? Can you? Yeah. Can, okay, I would select. I would only graph. Well, I would graph long term, short term, both banks, and engine RPM and load if if I have a choice. Because the less you graph, the more the faster you're going to get a response rate. Okay. All right. And um, I had a question too, um, but I uh, I saw what about the EGR valve. Could that be causing the problem? And they had that DPFE sensor I heard that can be problemsome. DPFE, but I tested, I, I I tested don't, it with a multimeter and it looked okay. Well, I don't see how the DPFE would do it, and you should set a fault code, but the EGR could be leaking around the stem, and that can and that can surely cause it. So why don't we just why don't we just bypass it? Just disconnect it. Just okay. well, not disconnect it. Oh. If you disconnect it, the valve is still going to be mechanically attached to the engine. Take the valve mm-hmm. off. And, you know, go have a Coke and cut the bottom of the can out and put that as a plate across the EGR temporarily and make a gasket, make a seal. Okay. All right? Okay. Just just block it. I mean, you're going to start setting fault codes for EGR and EVAP and so on and so forth. You want to get this thing down to as basic an engine as you can, 
so that you have less to think about and less systems to deal with. Okay. All right? Uh, like I yeah. said, none of those is going to cause a, a, a problem that's going to keep you on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You know, for the sake of diagnosis, that's what we would do. Okay. All right, sir? You let me know what that happens. Sounds great. All right, Anthony. Thank you very much. Good luck to you, and keep me posted. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the the car doctor at 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com, as well as podcasting. Also podcasting, if you click subscribe, it helps us at TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes. And uh, we're glad to count you among us, and we appreciate all your podcasting efforts and the way you help us keep this radio show going. Let's get over to Catherine. I think that's in South Carolina with a 16 Toyota Corolla. Catherine, welcome to the car yes. doctor. How can I help? Yes, ma'am. Hey. Hi. Um, my car was in a hailstorm a couple of weeks ago for about 25 minutes. Ooh. Hail um, poured down on my car, Ooh. and then I drove, and I managed to catch up with the storm. So it sat through it again, and so now my car looks like a golf ball. Mm. And I was wondering what the best, um, way to repair it is well, uh, my insurance company. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, but I was going to ask about your insurance company. What they say? Well, they um, they gave me an estimate, and they had it down for body repair work um, that they'd be replacing different pieces of my car. And obviously, the quote was way low, and they're going to have to talk to the repair shop um, either way to actually cover the damage. But they said they'd cover it. But I didn't know if it was better to replace the pieces of my car because it's a 2016 um, model or if I should go the route of trying to get, like, the paintless dent removal where they can just pop the dents out. The paintless dent and removal stuff. No, I under- and I understand what you're doing. Yeah, we, we, we use that at the shop from time to time for people. We've got a guy that comes in. Uh, you know, when, when I talk to when I talk to Clyde, he he says it really depends on the situation. And my experience is I watch him do it, and those guys are artists. It just depends on how bad it is, you know, and is there any paintwork involved? I'm, I'm imagining a 16 Toyota Corolla that looks like a golf ball, and I'm thinking panel replacement is probably the better way to go. You know, here, here's my concern. My concern is, is the insurance company going to replace the body panels with offshore pieces or real Toyota parts? That's a good question. And, and, I'm and not that's, sure. Yeah, and that's... Okay, I have to talk in, in New Jersey contractual language. An insurance company in New Jersey, and I'm pretty sure it's the same in South Carolina, but I say it like this to be accurate. An insurance company in, in New Jersey, that is a binding contract. You buy insurance in New Jersey, it's a contract between you and the insurance provider that they have to restore the vehicle to, to pre-accident, or in your case, pre-hailstorm condition. All right? Right. So... That definition, and I know what's gone through the courts up here, is that, you know, people have said, well, pre-accident condition would be to use Toyota, Ford, Chevrolet, and so on parts, not, you know, a a CAP-certified fender, a CAP-certified hood, which is the aftermarket offshore stuff. Now, some of that stuff is good, and, you know, some of it has its place. If this was a 2006 Toyota Corolla, yeah, put an aftermarket fender on it, who cares? Uh, you know, what are you going to get out of the car? Another five years, four years? Um, right. you, know, you should be fine. And I, and I can understand the cost factor because, you know, on, a, on an older car, if you use an original equipment part, the replacement pieces get to be so expensive. I've seen I've seen cars be totaled for some of the goofiest things in the world. Uh, you know, um, uh, we've got an we've got an 07 Camry in the shop right now. The young man slid into the curb. 
And, you know, if it goes through insurance, the car is worth seven grand. If it goes through insurance, it's about a $4,500 hit. The car will probably get totaled <laughs> because right. it's a curb slide and it's, it's approaching 50% of value. So in your case, I would ask them, are we using, you know, and you want to insist on this, Catherine. And I, and I think okay. it's, I think it's your right. You're paying the insurance. You've, and if, if they're telling you that hailstone damage is covered, then the conversation has to go to, yeah, to pre-accident condition, right? That means I want Toyota parts. I want a Toyota hood. I want a Toyota deck lid. And, you know, they'll probably, I don't know what they'll do for the roof. I'm, I'm, you know, there you might do paintless dent removal. But, you know, you're going to talk about taking the headliner out of the car. Um, you know, it just watch them. I can almost see this car, I hate to say it, I can almost see this car getting totaled. You know, all of a sudden this becomes five $6,000. Um, well, I was going to say, because I actually went and I've had two different quotes, and the guy, the repair shop said it would be almost $7,000. There you go. Yeah, and I haven't, even, I haven't even seen the car yet. Um, right. And, you know, what would you pay for the car new? Well, let's see, you had to pay 25 for the car? Um, 20 20 Okay, so now it's worth 15 Right. So 15 they're saying it's 7 They haven't gotten started. If that car goes to nine grand, they'll total it. I bet okay. you. Just, just, just be aware. Just watch. All right. Okay. Uh, just watch. But you know, it's it's a good conversation if you've got a Dutch uncle insurance broker that you can sit and talk to somebody. Okay. You know, this is that moment where you got to call in that favor and say, "Hey, I want OE parts, and I want to be a, I want to be kept aware of if this car gets totaled, do I have the option of buying it back and fixing it myself?" And that can work out in your favor if you do it right. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, good luck Thank to you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck to you. Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in. That's a hailstone, you know, Hail Mary. So whew. anyway, 855-560-9900. I almost have a personality today or not. I'll be back right after this. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. I knew you just had to get that last word in the two of you. They've been very quiet today, folks. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Let's get right into it. Let's get try and squeeze this last call in. Ron from Vernon, Connecticut. Yes, Ron, how can I help? Hi. Uh, well, I'll make it real quick. Uh, I uh, I could fix uh, anything years ago. You know, I thought I could fix this. But uh, my ignition switch... Uh, uh, you know, you got to push it. It's on a 2012 Ford Escape. Right. Uh, when I got it new, it was fine. But now, after the warranty went out, uh, I push it. I got to push it in and then turn it on. Uh, if you just turn it on, it won't do anything. You got to push it in. And you know, uh, I was going to take it apart and look at it. I'm not much for locks. I mean. I, I, I used to fix everything in the car when they used to put the engines in the right way. Now they right. put them sideways. Right. I don't. I don't even look at a car no more. Right. Yeah. Right. But, right. Uh, uh, I, I brought it to the dealer and he he wants uh, four hundred and eighty dollars to put a new switch in. Um, but it and seems he, to me I could take it apart somehow. Well, uh, you know, you know why he wants five hundred dollars to take the switch apart or to, to put a new switch in. Because there's there's Why? there's probably I believe there's going to be programming involved that you can't do without a module without a scan tool, so you're oh, sort of yeah. Oh. It's listen. This is the price of cars. People ask me how soon before the technology going to change. I don't know. It's when can we afford it, and that's going to be the real big question. And that's that's part of the problem. So till next week, I'm Ron Anani, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See ya. 